Welcome to the Standing for Freedom podcast, where we defend life, liberty, and truth for the next generation. There is no doubt that transgenderism is making huge advances in culture and under law. Since the Supreme Court's decision in the Obergefell case, we have seen a wave of legal changes and policy recommendations that many conservatives warned us about, the classic slippery slope. Sexual orientation and gender identity are under threat of being changed forever in this country under the H.R. 5 Equality Act, which is just one Senate vote away from becoming law of the land. Senator Joe Manchin is holding out in West Virginia, but how long before Democratic leadership reigns in that vote? One vote may be enough for freedom today, but will not be enough for freedom tomorrow. Today we discuss all of that and more with Dr. J. Wesley Richards on the Standing for Freedom podcast, starting now. Hey, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Standing for Freedom podcast here on the campus of Liberty University. I'm joined by the William E. Simon Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, as well as Senior Fellow at the Discovery Institute and Executive Editor at The Stream, Dr. J. Wesley Richards. And by the way, he's also the author of the most recent book, many, many titles, uh, Dr. J. You've been doing a lot of stuff, but Price of Panic, how the tyranny of experts turned a pandemic into a catastrophe. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be with you, Ryan. Thanks. Well, I'm honored. And hey, by the way, when I was in seminary at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, you spoke at ETS one year, and your book, I think it was Money, Greed, and God, uh, came out. And uh, I thank you for that. And uh, certainly you've uh, done work, I think, with the Acton Institute as well. Maybe I have that wrong. So No, that's anyway. right. In fact, yeah. I was full time at Acton for three years. Absolutely. That's so I'm glad you came across that book in seminary. That, that yeah. warms my heart. <laughs> very, very helpful. Uh, and it's funny, by the way, when I went to, uh, I went to UT Austin, and I, that's where I got my economics degree, but we never talked about economic philosophy. And so when I was at seminary, I was reading a lot of economic philosophy, economic history, and then trying to build a theological bridge from sort of biblical theology to understanding kind of the world of economics and closing those gaps. So uh, thank oh, you for yeah, all your really work. Important. Yeah, huge. my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Well, um, I know that we need to, there's a lot of things to look at right now, but one of the things that you're dealing in uh, you go around the country, you speak to a lot of homeschooling groups. By the way, that demographic is growing like by 10,000% right now, uh, all across the board. Uh, African Americans, Latinos, uh, Caucasians, it doesn't matter who you are. And even on what side of the political aisle, it looks like people are looking to educate their own children, in large part due to two things. I would say you see critical race theory that's sort of uh, infiltrating. Uh, these schools. And the other part is sexual orientation and gender identity. And that's an area that you've been writing on. And I wanted to talk about those things on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the so-called SOGI issue, sexual orientation, gender identity. Um, and in many, for, for a lot of folks, I mean, we were dealing, of course, the famous Supreme Court case in 2015, Obergefell, which uh, essentially uh, struck down state laws recognizing natural marriage. And so we were still sort of still focused on that. 
But I'm telling you, within minutes of that happening in 2015, the Obama, the time the Obama administration suddenly started changing the language and regulation. So they take yeah. uh, what you would think of from the Civil Rights Act and so-called, you know, uh, the, in the um, Obamacare language. So Obamacare is written in 2010. It just talks about prohibiting sexual discrimination, which is based in the Civil Rights Act from the 60s. And then as soon as Obergefell happens, which is about marriage, they go in and try to rewrite the regulation, the bill essentially to say, okay, by sex discrimination, we mean gender ideology, essentially gender ideology, sexual orientation and gender identity. And sort of this, the irony of that is if you define sex discrimination, if you equate gender identity and sexual uh, discrimination, that is sex and gender, you end up in these weird situations where you had laws designed to protect women's, say the women's locker rooms or to separate women's sports from men's sports, uh, it, it, it completely violates that. So the very spirit of non-discrimination gets violated and then suddenly you can have biological men uh, competing against women in, in sports by sort of writ of law. Now that got shifted uh, under Trump, but as soon as, as uh, Biden came back in in January, they immediately changed that, that language. The good news, Ryan, is that a district uh, judge in Texas actually struck down that so-called transgender mandate in August, yeah. specifically because he said it, it violates the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And so we got a little bit of a reprieve, but we have this big act called the so-called Equality Act that's still right. looming. It's already passed the House. It's sitting in the Senate because there aren't enough votes for it at the moment. But if we got the Equality Act passed and then President Obama or President Biden rather uh, signed it, uh, they're synonymous. Effectively, gender ideology yeah. would, yeah, I know it would be. Um, gender ideology would now be the law of the land uh, with respect to civil rights. So yeah. if you distinguish male and female, just so people understand what this, that means, if you publicly distinguish male and female, that would be the equivalent of being a racist, according to civil rights law, if this happened. Yeah. Okay. So I want to break this down. I want to break it, break yeah. down HR five a little bit um, mm -hmm. and walk through that. The, the, we, we, um, did several pieces on this in late spring and I, and I swear we entered into the summer and lots of other things uh, garnered our attention over the summer. Court, you know, of course, Afghanistan, failed mm -hmm. strategy policy there, all these migrants crossing the border at Texas as right. we speak, uh, Haitians uh, being a majority of them. And uh, our focus has been deferred for now, and we're not talking about HR5, but this is still mm -hmm. very much a threat. It is not going away. So I want you to walk through that with me. Define what this bill is what's in it? What are the bullet points yes. that everyone needs to know? I mean, and so as you said, HR5 is the Equality Act. So just so viewers understand that, that's what we're talking about. It's passed the House. It's still sitting in the Senate. So, I mean, they're really the three things to know about this is first that the Equality Act, it would make basically mainstream moral, medical, and scientific views um, punishable under the law. So we're not just talking about uh, maybe you think as a Christian that they're male and males and females. That that's not a religious idea, though. That's not sectarian, right? right? So yeah. it, let's say you're a doctor and you just say, look, you know, men and women are not the same biologically, and you recognize that as a doctor. That mm -hmm. view would actually, under the Equality uh, Act, actually could be punishable by law. You could end up being brought up on charges, lose your license uh, for malpractice. It would also threaten existing civil rights. 
uh, and constitutional freedoms, at least wherever they touch sex distinctions. So basically any time you have a sex distinction that's relevant, that gets dissolved. And so, you know, your freedom uh, to be able to speak about these things, to just be able to, and as a school, to make say, look, there's a difference between men and women, males and females, and we want to have separate bathrooms or separate locker rooms. No, sorry, um, you know, that's not going to work. Uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act would stay on the books, but it is essentially get gutted wherever you're dealing with sex distinctions. Um, and then finally, I kind of really, really related to that is that the Equality Act, it would remove the vital opportunities and protections that we've had in place uh, for women and girls and children. I mean, this is the reason we've had this uh, is specific protection and opportunities for women. Uh, that's obvious, I mean, that's what's the weird thing about this is if, if you think this is about equality of the sexes, it's not. It's If anything, the implications of the Equality Act would be to erase women as a category in law. They continue to be a reality. And so really what we're talking about is whether we want our laws to uh, accommodate and allow us to recognize manifest biological reality or if in our laws and institutions we have to pretend that those don't exist you know it's one of those things i think a lot of times uh the left knows how to name bills uh in in euphemistically so uh and so when you say like like it's about a uh, you know this is about abortion it's a woman's right fundamentally to choose you know and so euphemistically treats these these uh uh, huge issues regarding human life and dignity and uh, and equality. Well, it is a threat right now uh, in two large ways. One, to religious folks, families. You think about homeschooling. You're not going to be able to avoid equality, uh, the Equality Act, just by homeschooling. Uh, you're not going to if you you send your kids to a private school uh, and you think, oh well, th- these these bathrooms, um, you know, the bathroom policy. Uh, and transgenderism will be able to avoid that and not have to enforce it. No, it strips away religious liberty, religious rights. They are coming for you. That's the point. And so this is not trying, I'm not trying to create a boogeyman. You're not trying to create a boogeyman. It is reality. It is a threat. And then also, I think this is where we're getting like-minded of funny enough by uh, women's organizations that are even leftists, the transgenderism in sports is a huge threat to women because essentially uh, men can dominate in almost every uh, every contest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically the closest men and women come in performance would be ultra marathons and things like that, but we, you would still end up at least at the elite level with just men dominating. And then when you get into strength sports that require lifting heavy weights over your head, I mean, men on average have about a 30% advantage. And so, I mean, this is why we have separate men and women's sports because they're yeah. biologically different. We recognize the genuine fairness is to allow that, not to you sort of deny that basic difference. And Ryan, as you said, the left is very smart, both about the language it gives bills, but also the way in which it works its way into reauthorization bills and appropriations bills in which they can, you know, basically at the moment where the action is, is taking any place that refers to discrimination, especially sex discrimination, yeah. and really redefining sex to mean gender identity uh, and, and sexual orientation. 
The irony is that, of course, the very idea of sexual orientation is some, someone is, say, same-sex attracted, uh, you're yeah. a male and you're attracted to other men, that implies that men are a real thing if you're a yeah. female attracted to other women. So that's the irony. And so you could get, as you said, you could get some left-wing uh, lesbian organizations that say, look, this is completely contrary to our interest. And so I really think, you know, we, we put together that LGBT uh, acronym, but there's starting to become space between the L, B, and G, and the T, because tra the transgender ideology, it really, it's more radical almost than anything that we've encountered other than critical race theory. I mean, the reality is that gender ideology and critical race theory, they're, they're different species of the same genus. They both really descend intellectually from radical critical, critical theory. It's just that one man, you know, it sort of orients toward race mm -hmm. and the other towards gender identity. And what's funny about the Equality Act too is that it even manages to bring in abortion because it defines sex to include, and I'm quoting, pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions. And the federal government's already said that includes abortion. So suddenly you've got mandating uh, abortion under the Equality Act. I mean, it just, and they're really clever at doing this. Yeah, it's interesting because I, re I remember last uh, summer when Black Lives Matter um, went uh, obviously viral in a very, very big way. Um, you went to their website and they were going to get away with, you were going to do away with the nuclear family. Uh, they were promoting socialism. Oh, and by the way, abortion too, abortion rights and advocacy under the, the auspices of reproductive justice, right? So you have to put the justice word in there and everything else. And so again, you know, it's like, now how does that fit the whole, you know, like this is insane, you know? Uh, but this is what the left does, and uh, we need to be aware of it. As you go around the country and you talk to parents, you talk to schools, um, obviously you're doing research that uh, many people uh, can benefit from. Uh, what are some key issues that everybody needs to know? So we talked about the HR5. But yes. what, when, it's, it's, when it comes to getting our own story straight, right, we have to understand what we believe first, uh, you know, not just what they're saying. So uh, what is it that you inform uh, parents when it comes to SOGI? Well, what I think is really important is that we not be too quick to say, well, this is just a religious liberty issue. I mean, of course it is. But the, the, the problem, it's sort of like when you're talking about abortion. If you say, well, um, as a Christian, uh, well, what, as a Christian, you think murder is wrong? I mean, you know, most people yeah. think murder is wrong. I mean, the argument right. about abortion is that uh, on the science, right? We know that the unborn, those are human, uh, that's a human individual. And so insofar as we think law, there should be laws against murder, uh, we think there should be laws against this. That's not a sectarian thing. Of course, we believe that as Christians. It's the same thing here. I mean, we're dealing with basic scientific uh, data at this point. I mean, it's not like you needed science to know that males and females are different, but we have, of course, abundant uh, evidence now that, that, that shows this is why very often the way you treat a man or a woman is gonna be different uh, yeah. with this, even the same kind of medical protocols. And so it's absolutely essential for good medicine and for good science. And so we're really talking just about the freedom of people in general to be able to recognize and talk about reality 
in their language. That includes religious freedom, but we don't want to say, well, we just want this sort of private religious exemption to be able to make this sectarian distinction. Yeah. But yeah, it's fine if everybody else wants to be forced to deny it. No, we believe in the freedom to talk about these things for everyone, including Christians. And I think that's absolutely important, especially for Christians to realize that that's what we're talking about. Don't don't be too quick to treat this as if it's just a sectarian issue. We're not talking about the doctrine of the Trinity here. Yeah, and I think that's very, very important. It's fundamental. Uh, sometimes the way Christians even argue about the Constitution, uh, mm -hmm. it's an inherently moral document. The, the language of God is written all over it, right? Yep. Uh, and so it, you're not, in, in defining things in sectarian ways, we shoot ourselves in the foot because then mm -hmm. you can say, oh, okay, so you're conceding uh, that our definition is equally viable. The only reason is because you have um, a conscientious exemption on the basis of just your religion. Yeah, we'll take yeah. care of that later. Give us 10 more years and we'll come after that too. <laughs> That's but, right. Yeah. It won't, yeah. first of all, it won't, it won't work, but it also sort of paints us into a corner, unfortunately. And you're exactly yeah. right. I mean, if you look at the American founding treated God as a public reality. We didn't have a, don't have a national established church. It no. didn't follow that God wasn't a public category and that mor and the moral truths of the natural law weren't public categories. That's what I think we need to get better as Christians about thinking in those terms. Yes, there are things we believe as Christians and there are things we believe uniquely as Christians that we disagree with others about. Um, but look, I, you know, when you debate atheists, the atheist knows as well as you do that murder is wrong. Um, right. He might be kind of confused or you might disagree on which things are murder, um, but he knows that murder is wrong. That's what Paul tells us in Romans, right? That the law is written on, on every human heart. And so it's just, it's important to realize that. Don't concede moral territory um, and don't, uh, you know, try to turn something into a sectarian uh, belief that you're going to then try to sort of give yourself an exemption from. No, we're arguing that, look, atheist doctor should have the freedom to recognize the difference between male and female. I mean, this is how far gone we are. Unfortunately, we're having to argue this, but that is exactly That's what we're right. having to argue. That's right. So this, this whole language of deconstruction, uh, post-modernity, Derrida, all these, uh, you know, um, Marcuse, right, and everybody else, uh, you know, it, it really is um, at a, at a uh, pivotal point. Uh, it's re reached a fever pitch, and we have got to establish a common, uh, once again, a common universal standard of language, of, of, of definition for these things, uh, and, and we have to be able to speak to one another, Christian, non-Christian alike, and agree these are the these are the common definitions uh, whereas they're trying to destroy all of that and, and introduce uh, moral chaos um, what are the things that you okay so um, there are the things that parents need to understand about HR5 of course and getting their own story straight how is it that we are to respond so what are some ways that we can go about fighting this pushing back I was at a I'll just say I was at a, American Association of Christian Counselors just a few days ago, uh, and it's all about credentialing right now. People are concerned about credentialing. Uh, you know, private Christian schools, I know, um, you know, they're concerned uh, about accreditation. So how is it that we respond uh, as Christians unapologetically and without fear uh, to the threat of HR5 and the like? I think, I mean, obviously when it comes to legislation, you have to fight the legislation and we need enough people to actually understand what's going on. I, I honestly don't, a very large percentage of the population 
um, is on board with, say, being able to go into to women's bathrooms or, or right. adults go into teenage girls' bathrooms or men competing against women in, in high-pressure and dangerous sports. I just don't think there are very many people left, right, or center that actually want that. What they want is for people, including people that identify as transgender or whatever, to be treated respectfully and with dignity. And that's right. the thing. We got to lead with that. Because what, yeah. you know, can you imagine uh, the turmoil if you had gender dysphoria? If you're a male that is for some reason not comfortable in your body and want to be or imagine what it would be like to be a woman, that's a really serious difficulty. That is a, that's a serious challenge. And so we yeah. need to have compassion people that are struggling with things like that, while being able to take on the activists, because that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about individuals that are suffering from gender dysphoria. We're talking about activists that want to essentially impose this radical gender ideology on everyone in the country. And that gender yeah. ideology, notice we're calling it gender ideology, because what it is, is it wants you to replace the stable biological category of sex, right, yeah. with what they to be um, a sort of a socially constructed gender identity. But of course, the irony is they say on the one hand that it's socially constructed, but also that it's somehow immutable and it's so fundamental that we a person's gender identity should be able to trump their biological sex, which is, I mean, that's what you're dealing philosophically with a very confused and kind of mixed up uh, ideology. But the reality is I think ultimately it's not even about the ideology. That's the thing about critical theory. Critical theory is ultimately about sowing chaos and yeah. destabilizing the current system. It's far less about proposing a philosophically coherent alternative. This is about radical destabilization. And so we shouldn't be very surprised a one minute, not a the next minute. That It's about yeah. instability. That is a really, really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. The deconstructionists are not about replacing. Uh, they're not about uh, any kind of constructive way forward, a positive vision or anything like that. Uh, this, is so, this is far superior, so therefore let's pursue this. In, in fact, what they're trying to do, it's like a cancer. It's like a parasite. It's just feeding off of a host, uh, which is, which is, Western civilization, Western tradition, morality, religion, the whole thing, and then just bringing it all down. Well, what are you going to replace it with? Oh, we got nothing. We got nothing, you know? It, that's I mean, yeah, they, they what probably have an idea, but they sort of, they imagine uh, that this is so bad that almost anything that replaces it is going to be better. And so there is, yeah. a, at bottom, if you think about it as a spiritual phenomenon, there's a, a, a profound lack of gratitude, right? In which yeah. um, it, gratitude toward your culture and toward what you have received Yes, you can look at your country and its history, all warts and all, but also be thankful because it could be a lot, lot worse. Yeah. They have a very hard time, I think, imagining that, look, almost every alternative that humans have been able to come up with is a lot worse than the thing we have going here. And yeah. that's why, you know, conservatives constantly need to be animated, both by compassion toward those that, that need our mm -hmm. compassion, but also by gratitude. And then that, from that gratitude, uh, a willingness to defend these things. And I think at the moment we're in a, sort of an educational stage where just a lot of us need to get up to speed on what gender ideology is. Yeah. There are great books like Ryan Anderson's When Harry Became Sally and the new book yeah. by Abigail Schreer. Uh, Abigail Schreer's book, um, Irreversible Damage, is about the rapid onset gender dysphoria among teenage girls. And for those who have a stomach to handle it, I strongly recommend that because if you got it, say, at teenage children, this is what a lot of their peers are having to deal with. And it's very unlikely 
even if they're really well homeschooled, are going to be just immune to this. The best you can do is to inoculate them against these ideas for when they encounter them. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned gratitude. Uh, You know, our first national holiday recognized by George Washington was Thanksgiving. It wasn't Christmas, it wasn't Easter. First national holiday was, it was a day of thanks uh, given to prayer and devotion uh, to God. And um, culturally, we're seeing this kind of um, socialistic, deconstructive, uh, deconstructionist um, move that is a lot more like Mao than Stalin, which is really interesting, and getting rid of the old institutions, old culture, old customs, old law, old religion, um, the four olds. And we're seeing that happen right now. Um, I think the only way to really combat this, for just for Christian parents, is we have to understand that there is a spiritual battle. We don't just wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world. And so even as people might identify themselves as your enemy. There is even a greater enemy behind that. And we have to recognize we have to fight it with prayer and also also with praise. Uh, we need to be thankful to the Lord for what we've received. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, final thoughts, you, you mentioned some resources where people can go. Where can we uh, read your writings and, and, and find out? You're, are you have any books coming out soon? Or I'm, anything, working, uh, I'm working, I'm sort of in a deep dive on this right now, but we're covering this uh, frequently, actually at the Heritage Foundation, our, our media outlet, the Daily Signal, dailysignal.org. You can also follow me on this stuff at, at Dr. J. Richards. And I mean, honestly, I, I've wanted to get involved in this issue for so long because I really think it's the civilizational issue. What we're dealing with in 2021 is yeah. an assault on nature itself. And this is just sort of the crosshairs of that 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 larger campaign. And so I think we just absolutely have to get up to speed on it. Yeah, amen. Genesis chapter one, right? Male and female, he created them. And we have to remember that being made in the image of God, God from the beginning, created man and women different, uh, but also to image God with full dignity and equality. Uh, But God defines the terms, uh, not us, and uh, we're all inheritors and recipients of that as creatures uh, distinct from the Creator. I appreciate so much, Dr. J, your work and uh, contribution, and uh, we got to have you on campus here soon. Oh, definitely. Love to do it. We, we, we need to have you, definitely, and we will. So God bless you. Thank you for joining the Standing for Freedom podcast. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks.